Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello, world, and welcome to The Upcoming, the perfect place to catch the best and brightest on their way to the top. Joining me now for The Upcoming's fourth episode, straight out of my home state of California, he's an alum of Golden West College with an AA in history. He is an awesome dude with some excellent insight on history, especially wars and international affairs, and he is also an upcoming writer who will soon be on the Barnes & Noble's bestseller. Ladies and gentlemen, I am happy to have sitting with me my dear friend, Sir Harrison Shaw, the second of his name. What's up, Harry? Hello. How's it going? (laughs) It's going good, man. It's going good. Thank you for joining us on the upcoming. So, you know, let's... How are you, man? Uh, I haven't shot myself yet, so I'm doing all right. Nope. Yeah, that's always a good thing. All right, Harry. Always joking about that. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a good one, man. But yeah, please don't. Let's let's hope that never happens. No, 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 no. just I, I, I said it, and like I should probably clarify. I'm not serious. I will never be serious about that. Good, good to hear. Good to hear, Harry. Good to hear. So let's um, let's let's get started. So, Harry, for the people who don't know, in your own words, who and what exactly? Are you? Um, I guess I would just go off the top top of the list. I am a child of God. I'm a citizen of both uh, the United States and as well as New Zealand, and therefore the rest of the Commonwealth. Um, I am a, a. I'm a. I'm attempting to become a writer, and I am a reenactor. I guess you could say. Other than that, it's just usual. I'm a son and whatnot. <laughs> All right, Harry. Thank you very much for giving us some detail on who you are. So let's get on to more, a little bit more about you, Harry. So I'm actually a little curious about your background studying history at Golden West. Harry, let's just take it all the way back. What about history is so intriguing to you? I joked around the other day about um, comparing history to uh, fake lore, aka like you know Tolkienism and like uh, fantasy, yeah. and it's often treated like that. And it's like if you ever want to like look at anything, there's a saying that if you want to see something stranger than fiction, just look at history, and that's very true. You can find some of those crazy things in history, and it's like that's the lore of the world, and is it's not only just that it's actually it's what actually happened in all the ugliness the good the bad and the ugliness of it all and it's just so fascinating you can always find some some great train or tragedy in it wow yeah that is true history can show a lot of great and also terrible things but uh harry you know while you were studying history Looking back on it now, what are some lessons or maybe some important facts from the past that aren't that you don't think are talked about enough or even emphasized enough uh, in the present day? Um, oftentimes, when looking back to the past, we'll focus on the negatives, and uh, we don't uh, realize that the people of the past. And just well, just things that happened were well, it just happened. Um, for instance, like someone used to, someone brought a point just to clarify this, clarify this exact thing was uh, back in the day, a certain type of peasant could be forced to marry someone just because uh, when they're like in the in this technical uh, category of peasantry, if they weren't married, they could be taxed. So a nobleman could, if they should, should so choose, force them to marry someone just so they would tax them. Hmm. And 
you you can go like, oh, that's so horrible and whatnot, but you compare that to today, it's like, well, the uh, state, if they so choose, can deem uh, someone to be unfit parent, and they could steal your children away from you, and you have no right to what they say or do. They're no longer in your possession or under your guardianship. And who knows, one day in the future, someone might go, how horrible, how could they do that? And it's like, well, no, it wasn't like that always. It wasn't every bloody time. And it's, people reject a whole host of things on the history as a whole for uh, sometimes justified, sometimes not, because sometimes things are obviously all encompassing, like, you know, an actual institution versus, well, just a legal trend. I see. Wow, that's deep right there. And so, just comparing all to this right now, what are some points in history that you think are talked about, like, a little too much, and what aren't talked about, like, nearly enough? Like, what are some times in history that are talked about too much, and other times are that are not talked about enough? It's kind of a loaded question because uh, while going through school, we had a whole lot of. On one hand, there's so much I wanted to teach or tell my fellow students and my peers and even the teachers, but the one of the biggest factors is that we didn't have enough time. For instance, like one of the things I feel like we talk about too much is probably Rome, but it's also a loaded question because, well, when we talk about Rome, we only we, we really just talk about a little bit of it, or like we basically have to condense 700 years of of an empire, a republic to empire to decline within like a few short classes. Like, no, Rome was Rome was like this. Well, Rome was a tribe, and then it would it uh, it was a kingdom, then it was a republic, and then it rose up into became an empire, and then the Roman the the republic fell, and then became an empire. The empire then went to infighting and infighting and then murder, lust, greed. And then the empire actually split and uh, technically lasted a thousand years more. But you, it's, on one hand, that's like, that's something that's not talked about because, well, there's not enough time. Something I feel like there's just not talked about enough, it would probably be a more recent history. And the reason why I say recent history is like, I'd say recent as in like uh, the last 50 or not 50, uh, post-World War II. And when we talk about post-World War II in the U.S., we, pro- we, we mostly just talk about the U.S. and its uh, dirty little hands in the Cold War, if anything at all. When really it's just, well, if you look at the Cold War and like this the post-war period, it's like you have the creation of the Third World. Um you have uh, the rise of communism in certain places and the collapse of uh, first world societies and coming second and third world societies. I mean, uh, sort of, uh, like you can just take any African nation and just go, well, they're both being pulled apart by, in the post-colonial era, from being left as a democracy and ill-fated republic to being uh, dictatorships and whatnot. I'm not too familiar with, uh, uh, I'm not an expert or anything on the subject, but like anything, uh, anything above the Congo, I, uh, and, and the, on the histories of, I'm not, I've, I've personally not read up or looked up a bit, but I know in sub or below, uh, the Congo, the only republic to not go through a civil war is Botswana or a breakup or a change in government for one could argue the worst. Botswana. Yeah, the only uh, place where elephants are technically not endangered. Okay, now that is a fact I did not know about. Yeah, they're that prosperous and just like technically the species is endangered, but you can there there are too many of them in, the, in that in that one country apparently. Hmm. Let's hope that uh, information doesn't fall into the wrong ears. So. Yeah. Yes. Please don't elephants. They're awesome and majestic and freaking awesome. Yes. I, yes. We do not like poachers. 
Leave those elephants alone. We have enough ivory. Um, yeah. All right. So, Eric, going back um, to your time of studying. So, you've learned a lot about history. So, I want to just bring it back a little bit forward. How do you see some of the... Let's go. Let's go to your book. How do you see the elements of what you've learned in history coinciding with the book you're writing? Tell us a little bit about that. Um. Well, it's actually kind of funny because, well, whenever I, whenever I tell someone that really knows me, like, "Oh, I'm writing a book," it's like, "Oh, when does it take place?" It's like, "Oh, the future." And like, really, the future? I wouldn't have expected that. Uh, what's um, it? What's it called, by the way? I forgot to ask. Uh, which one? Um, when you're in a writing with the, uh, you told me about with the contents uh, split into those ways in like Los Angeles in those in like one area and do you remember uh, when you were reading? Me? Yeah, that um, one. Yeah, I guess just the universe as a whole. I uh, basically in the fu- the future in the year in the two thousand six hundred and sixties. The world as we know it is uh, not the same, to say the very least. The uh, there was a cast, there was an apocalypse of some kind, or an event, as, as it became known, that no one knows and no one recorded. But it was so encompassing that uh, basically the 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 world, the world as we know it, became back in went back in time to a medieval era standards of. of of government and religion. Hmm. And so the United States has been divided up into different tribes, kingdoms, and empires um, in all of North America, all encompassing Mexico, uh, the Caribbean, and especially California itself was an empire that has declined and is now three, five kingdoms and one figurehead emperor. Hmm. Wow. So that's honestly kind of scary. Yeah. I mean, uh, the working title was uh, After the End. And uh, I guess the idea behind it is like, yeah, the world ended. But, you know, what came after didn't didn't really mean like, you know, Mad Max forever. Like the world. So, like recovered enough where like you had a whole another history and uh like the world of today it, I, I like to call it in the in the book the new the new antiquity the new antiquity like antiquity being like the as in like rome greece both uh the ancient ancient greece as well the classical ancient greece is like you know sparta and the all in Athens and all the policies and Alexander the Great from West centric view, uh, that different empires of Persia. And then like that all ended in the, in when it, Rome fell, but that, that was seen as antiquity and everything after that was seen as the dark ages in air quotes and the medieval times. But in the way, like the world ended and the, the new antiquity is gone. And now the new medieval has begun. see okay so wow that's uh that's uh one of the uh stories in workout <laughs> the one i keep showing you and it's and it is and it's already and it is a lot to take in i'm not gonna lie about that but it's it sounds like you've spent how long how many years have you spent remind me again how many years have you spent uh like uh like planning this story uh planning uh there was none of that uh, I really started writing in uh, 2018 when I was bored at Golden West, waiting to talk to uh, girls and study groups and whatnot. But then uh, I really took it, started taking it seriously when the real world ended in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So ever since then, which would be 22. Yeah. So about about four years now. <laughs> So do you do you know what you're gonna um, call the story, or are you not comfortable uh, sharing that just yet? Um, I, 
it's very simple, so I, I really want to say it, but I don't want to get copyrighted and then have it stolen from me, so. All right, all right. Well, sorry, sorry. Uh, well, just, how, when it comes out, we'll do this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but be sure, folks, to look out for Harrison Shaw, Sir Harrison Shaw, and the and the bookshelves at your nearest Barnes & Nobles or wherever you shop at. If the Barnes & Nobles is still around, hopefully. Any fingers crossed. Hopefully, because I like because we like Barnes and Noble. Yeah, we don't want to go the same as uh, Borders. R.I.P. Borders. If anyone still remembers that place. Uh, so, Harry, while you while you were writing, uh, what's something that just surprised you about yourself as you were writing these things? What did you see in yourself that you didn't previously see before? Was there something like that? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, probably just, well, you you wrote something that took more than 10 pages. Because before I took on a whole bloody novel, I just read or I just wrote, uh, you know, essays and whatnot. And I was just, well, I had to do 300 or I do 300 uh, words today to make sure I can turn this in and whatnot or either write uh, a 10 page essay like that was such a daunting task back in the day and now it's like well it's nothing yeah no folks like in 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 middle school like you, you stuck with three pages or five pages I know it seems torturous but by the time you get into college you're it's like it's like, like, dude, this is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when uh, you first learn basic math and you think it's so hard or so, uh, or you think it's so advanced and then you come to find out they lie to you about letters and numbers and how they never mix. Yeah. No, seriously. Always like solving for X or solving for A. Yeah. It's like, you lied to me in preschool. Mm. I'll never forgive you for that. Yes, what's your face? Yeah, let's not say names. I'm sure they know who. Yeah. Uh, Slash out, remember them. <laughs> All right. So, as you as your story has evolved, um, what are some things that have stayed consistent in your writing? Consistent. Uh, probably my love for the different characters I've written and the one and the. Not the distaste or the disdain, but like just the why did I write this character? Um, like, I have one that speaks like a Creole esque language. I don't want, I want, not exactly Creole, but like just broken English, but it's English still, or English, I should say. But I remember just thinking, like, I love this character. Meanwhile, this other character who I like made to be a a, a perfect provider, uh, a man in love, a man with hate, with rage inside of him, and just all these personality traits. It's just like you are. I always hate writing you. <laughs> mm. I I kind of forget you're there. I'm like, should you even be here? I see. Yeah. yeah. So I, on one hand, it's like I like one character over another. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure. Pl- I know plenty of writers have that character that they can't stand writing, and yeah, yeah I just have to hope it's not a main character. <laughs> well, the thing about this, like, the character you might hate end up becoming like might end up becoming a fan favorite. So you really, yeah. really can't predict it, honestly. Yeah, you have to pull a George R. R. and then you're like, "Why'd you kill him?" It's like art's not democracy. <laughs> uh, no, I'm 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 writing this, not y'all. Yeah, I I am the dictator of this world that I've created. The god, if anything, of this world. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you've I know you read like a lot of books and I've seen a lot of films, but let's let's stick with the books. Um, Harry Woods, what? What's the last book that 
you couldn't put down. The last book would probably be the... I'm currently going through Red Dragon, uh, which is the first novel in the Hannibal Lecter trilogy and sequel, or prequel, I should say. Uh, and that has been surprisingly... I just cannot wait to like read the next chapter. And, well, the only reason why I put it down this weekend is because, well, I don't want to... I actually don't... I, it's one of those books you just don't want to... Th- want to finish even though I do want to finish and read the other four or three books like you almost wish it didn't have like such a limited amount of chapters so you just want to just keep going yeah or like could I in, could I go back and embed myself uh, into the story more and learn more like is there some hidden pages earlier kind of thing Yeah, the last book I couldn't put down was. Uh, there actually been quite a few books where I was able to be like, "Oh, that was good," and then put it down. But I remember it was a while ago. The last book that like truly got my attention was "On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous" by Ocean Vuong, and I've talked about that book before in my review. But the reason that book uh, just resonated so much with me is because. You are seeing, like, this boy who's the son of an immigrant mother in Vietnam and is, like, growing up in this sort of fast-paced world. And it seems he seems, like, out of place, but he makes a way. And while still telling the story of his mom who just been through so much and worked so hard, and it just made it to be, like, a really sweet, sweet story. So... A definite recommend right there, um, if you're if you're interested in that. But I'm gonna be sure to check out uh, Red Dragon now because I just I just I just know the um, the movies and whatnot and or shows with uh, what's his name Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, uh, there's also the show with uh, Matt Mickelson that I i kind of put on my bucket list as soon as i finish the all, all the books to watch yeah hannibal isn't it just that's just what it's called hannibal yeah yeah and like i feel like they're both they both do this the uh, same role but like anthony hopkins for the most part my he's the only one i really know but just like matt mickelson is i feel like is another perfect cast for that yeah he, he's 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 really good at like he just he just has like an excellent look as, as as a villain. Yeah, and as a gentleman, kind of uh, flawed gentleman. I guess that's why he's been, he's in the latest Harry Potter or Harry Potter film. Yeah, that's why he gets paid the big, big bucks. Mm. Yeah. So, and it's actually interesting that we're talking about you know live action like adaptations. Um, Harry, what, what would you? What's your opinion on live action adaptations? Because uh, I know that we've seen a lot of those, and they've been around forever. But uh, are you are you a particular fan, or do you prefer they just be like, let's let's slow it down now? Like for example, um, with Red Dragon, and everything would you say it was fairly faithful to the material, or did it take a little too many liberties? I feel like the uh. uh there's actually two movies with uh, Red Dragon. Uh, there's Manhunter from 1986, I believe. Hmm. Um, that one takes a lot. I feel like it's technically a better movie, but it does take a lot more liberties uh, from the novel so far. Um, probably the biggest one is the uh, serial killer. Is is uh, He's meant to be jacked. He's meant to be... Uh, be able to complete. He's supposed to be like a local Arnold Schwarzenegger. Be like he's. It said that he can compete locally in uh, bodybuilding, and uh, both adaptations don't do that well. Um, other than that, they take certain liberties. Uh, they, certain characters are are taken out. I feel like the Red Dragon movie from two thousand one is um, is is pretty good. Even though uh, I, I'd say Manhunter is definitely a better movie, movie, but uh, Red Dragon is definitely the better adaptation. 
Okay, cool. Because people, people do often complain that a film or a TV show that um, adaptation doesn't hold like the most uh, faith to the source material. And yeah. That I will is- say that I'm a bigger fan of uh, seeing adaptation, adaptations first before uh, reading, reading it. Because you, you can go that route of like, uh, oh, I read the book earlier and that was so much better. But like in in a, in a, in a more nuanced way, it's better to watch the, uh, the the skeleton of the story and then go into the into the book and read read about the actual the rest of the rest of the work and discover so much more. I remember I actually went through Harry Potter for the first time a few about a year ago and it was so much well for one it made so much more sense after reading the books all the movies but uh the adaptation was like we're just reading the books and just being like wow there's so much they took out um there's just so like it's, it's like it's like finding easter eggs in a video game I see like easter eggs huh yeah Yeah, so um, let's let's dive in a little bit deeper into a little bit about besides um, writing and everything. Well, let's let's look at this in one particular way. I'm actually curious because you are well versed in your knowledge on wars, whether they be past or uh, current. So. What's some, what are some, let's say, what's something you think storytellers might misunderstand, especially in Hollywood, about, you know, wars in the past or in the present? What do you think they misunderstand or get wrong about being a soldier in the wars of history? Um, there's a lot of different uh, things people get wrong about being a soldier <laughs> um, and I don't exactly want to speak to as a soldier because I've never served in any military but you fortunately and unfortunately but I will uh, say a few things um, the uh, in Hollywood at least the most uh, agreed upon realistic uh depiction of war is the opening scene of saving prior ryan yeah people have it's twofold yeah because uh you have these uh, i have these two different ways of looking at war when it comes to war movies and uh movies that depict war i should say um at least at least in modern wars uh uh, first generation warfare aka before gunpowder is different just because well you're to kill someone you have to beat someone in the head beat someone with the head with a stick or or slice someone else you have to actually do melee shooting with arrows you, you, you know what I'm saying it's different um there's the older war movies and they have it they, they both have their sense of realism don't get me wrong but they always they have their obvious flaws in older war movies it's seen as campy but what happens in those war movies is that troops move around people might have a have a the Hollywood makeup and the hairdo all gelled up and whatnot, and say the perfect jawline, saying the lines and whatnot. But uh, like the old war movies, they what what you can give them credit for is that when things happen, they just happen. They don't dwell on things. Like I think of uh, uh, um, the like in uh, Thirty Dozen. That's the one I was looking for. It's a fictional war movie. Fictional. It was just made. It was a Hollywood movie just made for Hollywood. But the thing is that when someone dies in that movie, they just die. They don't really. They dwell. If they dwell on something, it's like for two seconds. In modern war movies, it's the opposite. Um, it's blood, guts, and everywhere. Uh, things have to be over over the top for no reason. Um, but like when someone dies or like when war happens, it is devastating. And that is a realistic depiction. 
Well, I I, I remember watching a uh, Lone Survivor about the Navy SEAL team in uh, Afghanistan. I watched that one too. That one was intense. Intense, yeah, real intense. But I remember that, that movie and like the helicopter blew up and like you had to dwell on that for like too long. The dramatic music happened and it's like, okay, that's great. But in real, I'm just saying in real life, you'd probably be like, oh shit, that happened. We need to, and, and, and you'd just be like, if you, if I was there and if I was, you know, the director, I'd be like, you saw it blew up. The option's gone. You need to fly or flight. You, you're wounded. You need to get the hell out of there. Stop dwelling on the helicopter kind of thing. Uh, so that's that's why I find unrealistic about modern war movies. And you still have some campiness. Like uh, another one that came out just before uh, Lone Survivor was Active Valor. Um, and that is that is probably the best blend of, of, the, of the worst of both worlds. Even though I'm not actually sure if that one's based off of a true story, but it Either way, you have uh, that one. You have uh, Navy SEALs going around, and but like at the very end, you have someone going in and uh, throwing themselves on a grenade and being real dramatic about it. And you like it, I don't. I, I won't give the movie movie uh, too bad of a beat, but you need to. I don't know. Just I feel like it'd be, instead of doing the slow mo grenade, it'd be better if you just said grenade. Threw on there, and then the, kept the scene going. I think probably a, one of the best examples of like the op- opposite of this is uh, "We Were Soldiers." Direct is probably only good, uh, only historically accurately, historically accurate good movie that Mel Gibson's done or directed, I should say. And and in in it's basically the uh, one one open battle that the U.S. Uh, Army did in Vietnam. And all the campiness has gone out of the window, except for one soldier who is is stuck, is, is stuck in the tree line while NVA uh, forces have cut him off. The, the, uh, the communist Vietnamese have cut them off of the regular troops. And you, you, you saw his family before at training and whatnot. And it was all happy and whatnot. But he says, uh, like, he, he gets shot and wounded, and he tell, someone's over him and dramatically, and he goes, tell my wife I love her. And there's a lot of people who criticize that, that it's, uh, it's very campy. But one thing I, I love about that scene, that little shot, is that it dwells on him. He, he's like, tell my wife I love her. He dies. He, his, he's still looking up at the camera, mouth open. But the guy you said that to uh, is no longer in the shot. You only see uh, shadows of him shooting back at the at the NDA troops, and as well as on it's like, yeah, he did the campy thing, but he showed the realistic part if you actually did that, where you saw him uh, die and say, "Tell me why I love her," and then the troops around him are like, "That's sad." I need to. I need to make sure I don't die. Like, <laughs> and that one's probably another really good war movie in general. I mean, uh, I don't remember the the gentleman's name, but it does show a lot of like realistic things of the battle. Uh, there's the. I, I'll never forget the. Uh, there's a guy they met. They medivac, and uh, it's such. It's literally based off of uh, the guy's diary. A, he was an Asian American man who. Uh, got accidentally napalmed, and they air vacuum, air vacuum, uh, vacuum. But before he, uh, they get him on the uh, stretcher. Uh, someone grabs uh, his legs, and his skin just slides off. Oh God! And it's like, oh my God! And he's just like, you, like kudos to the actor because he depicted what happened in real life so well, and the makeup artist, like, amazing job. But like, just like how. Absolutely done, he is, and just how absolutely like messed up he is, and like, like wow. Yeah, that's enough to give anyone PTSD. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, just wow. And I'm, you kind of feel on one hand, you kind of feel bad that he 
died in one thing, it's like, well, it's kind of glad he died a few few days later. Yeah, no, that's yeah. definitely that'd definitely be a terrible thing to live with. It's still yeah, definitely a mercy kill from the G man above. Hmm. Oh boy. So then, uh, sorry for going on too long. No, 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 no. I was actually, um, I was actually curious about um, something else too. So, going, like, you, I know you haven't done uh, active duty, but you do do a lot of uh, war uh, reenactments and, um, well, yes. and some acting. So, like, how do you? Like what? What gives you like? What do you enjoy most about doing those? About doing those scenes? Like, what do you enjoy the most about like partaking in those? Because I know it's, I'm sure it's exciting for you. I mean the. Uh, I know it's ironic, but the actual combat. Really. Of, uh, the of when we uh, go out and fight other people, mostly Germans. Um. Or people playing German tickets, I should say. And, yeah, just the actual, like, tactics and sneaking up on each other and um, um, knowing that you could fake die at any time. Um, and I, I, I emphasize fake die. Um, it's not real. Uh, and hopefully my lifetime will never be real for me. Yeah. Uh other than that, it's uh, kind of just fun to joke around with uh, guys <laughs> and gals. They're gals. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Everybody's included. So, yeah. Uh, what's what are you doing this reenactment? You're obviously it's that's one big blast from the past right there. But I know you're de- you're dealing with older with an older arsenal, older guns, older grenades, older gas masks, and obviously the U.S. has. Especially has evolved since then. Uh, what's like? What is some? What are at least a few ways you, that you're that the U.S. has evolved that you're you know glad about? Which what what changes do you think made that were like absolutely necessary? So the U.S. Army and how what changes were great and necessary. Um, I'd have to well probably just give kudos to well the mass just uh, love affair between the U.S. military and air power. Um, everything past 1944, all the victories you can, I, I can, you can, you can mostly dwell them down to, well, the U.S. Uh, military has the greatest air force in the world. Air, or air forces, I should say, because um, not just the air force, but like, you know, the Marines and the Army all have their uh, things that fly. Uh, when it comes to infantry, which I would say, um, just I'm just glad they have uh, outdone with the uh, wool, wool uniforms. Uh, yeah, going going out on going out on the the badlands of, of of California in wool on a hot summer day is not fun. No, it's no. fun, but it's also not fun. Yeah, no, you were telling me about that and just saying like how like it would just be just just burning outside and you would just yeah. be stuck in that. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's the, uh, best one was when we were doing a Soviet uh, Manchuria uh, fr- front. So when the Soviets at the end of the end of World War Two uh, basically uh, took over northern northeastern China and. Yeah, I took it back from the Japanese, and uh, they—it was we did it in California City, in the middle of nowhere. We literally got uh, for the location, we got a uh, set of longitude and latitude, and it was hot. It was hot. We literally beat the Japanese once, and then we stood around the sun for the rest of the day. <laughs> it was not fun, and yeah. I even I was an even idiot, and I brought up the uh, Soviet quilted uh, tunic, known, known as the Telegrika, and I was like, "This is dumb. Why did I do this?" Dude, that is, dude. Oh my gosh. So, 
But hey, you survived. Yeah. The other thing I think the U.S. military is, well, just wise for as well, just constantly updating their gear. Um, there's little tidbits on the gear that you could you could go off of, but like, you know, we don't use a cartridge belt, cartridge belt anymore. We use modern uh, salt vests and whatnot. Uh, body armor has made a comeback after ever since Nam and even before that, well, there was World War One, kind of, but not really with the U.S. But yeah, having body armor uh, is a huge thing now. Uh, literally, in the past 20 years, in the war on terror, that's been a huge development. Uh, even though most uh, body armors will stop one bullet, so don't get hit. Because <laughs> yeah. most, most, most uh, combat zones fire full auto. Do they now? Uh, yeah, well, everyone's fired full auto ever since World War II. <laughs> well, yeah, that, I guess that yeah, goes without saying. But uh, Yeah, no. yeah, it isn't like here where uh, most people carry around semi-auto. They go full auto, and they have they don't have the MFA to regulate the Taliban or um, the Russian or Chinese militaries. Yeah. Now, I remember you and me... T- I remember oh, a few things... You and me were talking about that countries had that U.S. didn't have. Remember that talk we had about uh, gas masks? Yes. Uh, yeah, but basically uh, the U.S. had cheek filter gas masks, which basically means if you wanted to change out filters, you had to take off the gas mask and get gassed. Um, yeah, that's one thing I'm glad they changed, although I'm not particularly happy with the final results. Because they basically went from that to a a gas mask that used an actual filter, which is good, but it was made out of silicone, which disintegrates in uh, almost all biological and chemical agents. So it's like, yeah, you have a good gas mask design, but it's useless because it will dissolve as soon as anyone wants to use gas on you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. But now we have a what's it's an Avon. I'm not I'm not sure the actual nomenclature, but. Uh, it's Avon mask, I believe, and it's actually it's basically all plastic. So it's like, even though the design I'm not happy with, I'm just glad if 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 we'll, if the Cold War uh, scenario happens and the Russians would invade continental Europe and use gas, the uh, at least the U.S. and I know the British wouldn't uh, wouldn't uh, die immediately <laughs> from just the gas attack. Yeah, yeah. As long as they got you shit out, which is the other thing, because uh, most armies don't carry gas masks anymore. Hmm. Or at least not like non, like everyday kind of thing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um, I want to take it back to your to your writing for a second. Uh, do you you think you be the type to you know diversify and go from one genre to the next, or do you prefer to stay within like one specific field. Uh, well, so one of the big problems I have is, well, I finished one draft of one book. I keep uh, writing the first ten pages of another, and um, I have too many. Uh, one huge genre I've been writing in that's technically not what I'm writing is alternate history. And historical fiction, and as well as uh, just pure fantasy and space fantasy. Uh, so those are are different genres, but I just can't uh, finish one other than the one I've already finished. And that's my big problem right now. But yeah, definitely uh, open to different genres. And so. What are some What are some other inspirations besides, you know, reading like Red Dragon and um, reading on history and everything? Do you have some other like particular authors that you've been taking notes from? Uh, well, I recently finished Stephen King's book on writing. Uh, Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I unfortunately have not. I don't think I've read any of his actual works. Uh, I've read. Well, I've I've just finished uh, Lovecraft. Uh, I listen to all of his stuff on at work. Uh, 
George R. R. Martin. I I recently got back into that, even though well, he's been getting a lot of hate lately, even from me. It's like I totally get that burnout, but it's like just finish your book. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, um, people, people have been giving him some flack, haven't they? Yeah, and yeah, that's also the other thing. Is like you're the artist. You uh, you're the artist. You're the writer. You're the uh, you're essentially the god who's created everything in this fake world. You're not actually God. Don't ever think that. But you, you like you are the person who created this whole world. You, you you ultimately decide what happens until the rights have been given away from you. But that's another story. Other than that, other inspirations. Uh, I often get inspired to write characters or write ideas of characters just by people watching. Honestly. Really. Yes, um, I was at the Scottish Fair uh, a few weeks ago, and um, I remember just looking at the crowd, and uh, I saw two, uh, they must have been twins or something at the front, but I remember thinking, like, they, they both had the same look and, like, uh, facial expressions and whatnot, and the features, obviously, but facial expressions were the same, and I just remember thinking, like, they look like a cartoon badger or something like that, so it's like, they all have, like, Patrick faces. I was like, oh, that's a character idea for descriptions, obviously, twin people like that. But I remember thinking, uh, just people watching, I saw a mom. She. You know those uh, grocery carts and, like, they, they how. When she also put the kid in, like, the little basket in the front. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the. Mom did the opposite. She put uh, the kid in the in the actual basket, in, like uh, like an actual crate of water in the actual basket. Everything like, what is up with that? Mm. Yeah, and I was just like, just an idea about that. It's like a mother who is not quite there all the way. Mm. Yeah, so just different ideas of that. Um, yeah, I sometimes a lot of it is just a. Uh, Inspiration from songs. Um, uh, big inspiration is uh, Samuel Kim. He did a huge trend. He he was part of a huge trend in uh, YouTube, where they would uh, do covers of songs but medieval esque. So he did a lot of cool Star Wars. Um, uh, that that was medievalified, and it was like, wow, just really cool to type to that. Wow, that's that sounds really cool. And you know, as as a fellow writer, I got to say that it is amazing the type of inspirations you get from the most random things because I too have been like getting ideas whether I was in bed or riding a bike or just sitting around doing nothing and sometimes they just they do indeed just come to you. So you know, it's definitely what you're doing right now is which where you got these ideas is not at all surprising, but it is definitely just amazing how 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 some things just click, and I just absolutely love hearing that. What's uh, what's one of the craziest ideas you came up with in the most random way? So, I was once there was this little event I remember called. First Friday, I don't know if it's still going on. I've been in California that much. Um, but I do remember back pre-COVID when it was happening. And I was on a bike. It was a Friday night. And I was on I was on my bike and I was just riding around. And I was listening to this particular song. And just the way it sounded was just like really just fantastical and sort of kind of really campy too. And so it, and when I was hearing it, there's there's some lyrics that said, carefully I tread along the riverbank and I started to think of a riverbank and eventually that river started to just form into just water. And then the water became 
uh, C became the C, and instantly I was getting ideas. I thought of a C made of clouds, and then I had like weird little characters, like some characters straight out of Wonderland. And then I turned it into a short story and called it the Sea of Dreams. And so, yeah, I got an idea of a short story out of a song I was listening to on my bike. And that's how random and how honestly wonderful ideas for writing can be. I think another one that I think both of us probably have is uh, video games and movies. The things we grew up with, video games yeah. and movies. Well, like different inspirations, but even just like rewatching something, something will click or something will just appear in your head. And you're just like, I got to jot that down on a note somewhere. Yeah, definitely got to jot that down. Cause it's, it's some things we because some things can ideas can leave quick, but others, trust me, if others if they're good enough, they'll stick around your head. You don't even have to write them down. Yeah. So, anyway, I want to ask you uh, one more question. Uh, while you were while you were writing the story, words. Where do you where do you see it going in like let's say the next couple of years? Like where do you want to take it? I don't know how many there will be, but I can definitely tell you if God willing, unless something happens to me or life just hits me in the face, I don't plan on stopping with one book. I I if I don't think I'll get past uh, North America or uh, uh, Central and uh, the top of South America, but I do plan on trying to look and write about every single corner of the uh, continental United States, Canada, Mexico, all the little, I I just have world building syndrome in, in a way, but just like not too crazy, but also just I need to tell stories of different places on on the continent. Stories of different stories on the continent. Are you looking to maybe you'll maybe you'll learn new things, things you hadn't expected from those continents? You know? Honestly, I already have. Uh, I don't. I don't mean to be like that, but it's like uh, one of the big things about. Uh, the world I've written in is uh, everyone is religious in a way, whether you, like everyone is religious uh, no one's an atheist uh, just like in real life they're, anyone who says they don't believe in God they're only, they're, they don't they, they don't they really mean that, they're either a dick or they're uh, agnostic uh and one of the things I, I just love doing is writing about different religions, both fake and real, and in, if anything, rediscovering old ones and old sects and uh, different beliefs. And I've heard talked to you about uh, I heard talked to you and uh, a buddy of ours with about uh, Mormonism mm-hmm. and about the uh, Great Mormon Split after Joseph Smith died. And I'm just I'm like, I can't wait to write about all all of you. <laughs> All of you in the future. Oh boy. Yeah. So, what was so? What was the hardest part about writing it so far? Just creating this world. Creating the world is honestly the easy part. It's jotting it down and projecting it, and actually forcing yourself to actually write. Uh. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but like while writing, it's hard to just get a creative burst and just go ahead and just go. Yeah. And like, I don't know if you've ever experienced like this specific part where uh, when you get going and you really get into your story and you really get typing, 
into I, I don't want to sound like a pretentious prick, but like you uh, entered a whole another state of mind. In a way. I don't know if you ever experienced that, but I definitely feel like that sometimes. I know there's a lot of writers who can relate to that. And it yeah. does it does indeed get tough, like trying like getting jotting all these ideas down and once you've actually once you've picked up the pen or the computer or whatever and you started writing, like you've made your first steps to the thousand mile journey. So yeah. it's it's gonna get complicated and you're gonna hit a lot of writer's blocks and you're gonna have drafts that you will absolutely despise and maybe at some point be thinking like how did i think this was a good idea but yeah definitely have imposter syndrome about the yin yang um yeah but let me tell you right now that's that's the that's the fun in writing you gotta learn to we, we gotta learn to um appreciate just the frustrations that come from writing these stories and rewriting them and like erasing character and rewriting them again because every time you do it it's like new ideas form and eventually we're just looking back on it it's like man it's really come a long way that's the that's that's the beauty of the thousand mile journey man so i can tell you you're, you're you're doing you're doing good yeah you just uh you really feel, you feel really bad when you hear Stephen King writes. Um, I hear it's either uh, he says six pages a day. Yeah, six pages a day. First, first thing when he gets up, six six pages. It's like I wish I could do that. I, I want to do that. And then you actually sit down. And it's like you're not doing it. Why are you why are you not doing it? Well, that part, yeah. Stephen. I imagine I like to imagine he already has figured out like what he's going to write ahead of time or he just like just writes he just writes yeah. and figures it out as he yeah. goes along either way yeah that takes an enormous amount of discipline and an enormous amount of um concentration and imagination yeah. especially so it's yeah. everyone everyone has like their own style of writing some don't get don't like some will probably wait like 6 months and then they'll get like two chapters in but yeah don't feel another, t- another thing that I've heard is that uh, there's one writer who writes an entire book in a draft, right? Waits a few, waits a month or two, and then literally, literally does this, rewrites it. You serious? <laughs> just, 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 just literally like they don't like go in, don't copy paste, just like straight, straight up, just like all right, I told it once. We're gonna get. We're gonna go to page one. That's blank, and we're gonna start all over. It's like, and people will be reading that and be thinking like, "You're insane." Yeah. On one hand, it's like. On one hand, it's like you know, like good for you, but on the other hand, it's like, ugh. But I'm like, when I've I've also heard this saying, it's like every time you. You, you go to your first draft to make your second. It's like doing a, it's like trudging along and it's like you hate every single word. And it's like I felt like that. But I'm like I'm st- I still don't want to rewrite the whole bloody thing. Yeah, yeah, no, cuz that's that would be a pain, but uh, especially if it's your first draft, you might be seeing realizing that you might have to. Yeah. At least with a chapter or two. With a chapter or two. Of course. But, uh, hey, once it gets done, that'll be a big relief. Yeah, honestly. But just keep writing and keep looking back on it, man. Things will be be looking good. So, uh, yeah, Any any final things you wanted to say? Nothing too camp. Nothing that's uh, nothing that isn't campy, really. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right. That, what's that quote from uh, uh, I want to say I want to say uh, Ace Ventura, but it's like no uh, Truman Show. If I don't see you later. I'll see you. Yeah. I'll, 
Uh, then I'll see you later. I'll, or tomorrow, tonight, I'll see you later. Kind of thing. Mm. That, that works. That works. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for um, joining us joining us today, Harry. And thank you so much for sharing about your story and about your time uh, studying history and all the amazing things you've done so far. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes the fourth episode of the upcoming. Thank you Thank so you for much tuning for tuning in, in to the upcoming. See you, you like next this, week. Be sure to follow Goodbye. us on Spotify for more amazing content. The best is yet to come. Take care, everybody.